As the global dance music industry gathers for the Winter Music Conference in Miami next week, the mood is electric. From the chilly shores of the Puget Sound to the scorching sands of Miami Beach, it's the dawn of a new age in the business of music. Tonight we're joined by Alex Munoz from leading industry platform Label Engine to talk about the possibilities of this brave new world, plus unreleased tracks, events, and more in this Winter Music Conference edition of the Puget Sound Listening Hour. This is the Puget Sound Listening Hour with Michael Jones. Right on. Welcome, everyone. I'm Michael Jones, coming to you from those chilly shores of the Puget Sound in Seattle. Thanks for joining us. This is the special episode of the show marking the Winter Music Conference and Miami Music Week. We thought it's a perfect time to look at the state of the music business, or more appropriately, the new music business. And we'll be joined in a few moments by Alex Munoz, Managing Director of one of the industry's leading platforms, Label Engine, to talk about the promise and perils of the music industry today. First, we're going to kick off tonight's special with a cool new track. This comes to us courtesy of Pimp's Tits Records in Europe, and it's an artist you've heard before on the show. This is Samo, and his latest release, Set Amour. Thank you. 
sourire et rire et rajeunir. Notre amour reste là. Es-tu comme une bourrique, vivant comme le désir Cet amour, si violent, si fragile, si tendre, si désespéré. Cet amour beau comme le jour et mauvais comme le Thank you, Samo and Pimp Stitz Records, for sharing that track with us. It's time for our special report, Dance on Air, the state of the new music business. Reports of the music industry's death may, like Mark Twain's, have been greatly exaggerated. Our cries of crisis a few years ago may well have just been an outburst of our collective fear of the unknown. After all, technology had changed the rules of the game forever. It took a while to convince many that this Googling, Facebooking, YouTubing Goliath, with our music streaming from its nostrils and fixing its Spotify light on us, wasn't a Trojan horse sent by some geek god to destroy us all. But anyway, you get the picture. Over the last few years, it's dawned on many of us, some earlier than others, that maybe technology isn't a threat, but an opportunity. In fact, there may never have been so much opportunity in the business of music as there is right now. The web has enabled creators to distribute their music independently and interact with fans in new ways. With sales no longer the huge source of revenue they once were, artists and labels have been pushed to bring their music to even wider audiences through licensing and publishing, avenues now accessible to them thanks to technology. Of course, as with exploring any new frontier, the new music business isn't easy, and it takes a certain love of risk. But for those who can live with the uncertainty, experimentation, and exploration, the sky really is the limit in the new music business. Joining me in this conversation is Alex Munoz, Managing Director for Label Engine. Now, for those of you who don't know, Label Engine is one of the top business platforms for record labels. There really isn't a service quite like theirs. DJ Lazy Rich created Label Engine to handle accounting and eventually distribution and promotion for record labels. The platform serves a vast number of the biggest dance music labels, and as managing director, Alex has worked with them for years, giving him a front row seat to the inner workings of the music business, especially electronic dance music. Alex rarely speaks in public, except for panels like those he'll be on at this week's Winter Music Conference, so we thank him for joining us from Los Angeles. Thank you for having me. Now, Alex, like I said earlier, you're a veteran in this business. What changes have you seen in dance music over the last few years? I think it's a very interesting change. Uh, well, we've seen the birth of streaming music. That's a new way to consume music, so that's very I guess it, it's a new way for artists, especially new ones, uh, to get discovered. 
uh, there's a lot of people that might be against it, but I think it's just part of the evolution of music. We went from vinyls to CDs to MP3s, now to streaming. It's just the way it works. Uh, dance music overall is a business grown a lot, especially in the U.S., where we actually are. And um, I think it's a, it's a very positive one. You know, obviously there's things that are good and bad, but for the most part, I've seen a lot of positive things, a lot of money in being involved in, especially in new new venues to generate income for artists, you know, advertisement, uh, streaming, being some of those. And it's, I think it's a great thing that it's going on right now. During the last few weeks, we've talked a lot on this show about the commercialization of EDM, specifically the impact that investments from large companies like SFX, Live Nation, and others might have on the genre. What are your thoughts? I think it's good and bad. I mean, on our, from my perspective, I think it's a great thing. Uh, it will bring dance music to the mainstream, obviously. And I think that's basically what every artist wants. You know, a lot of people criticize people for taking on these uh, more pop opportunities, uh, but I'm not one of those. I believe that those should be taken upon because that's what you work for. Eventually, what you want to be is to be able to reach as many people as you want, as you can, and your music to be listened worldwide. So why wouldn't you do that? Uh, I think SFX, Live Nation, and companies like that bring bring those artists to those levels. You know, uh, on the bad side, I guess it's just it creates um, more. I guess I don't want to say a bad, you know, a bad thing here, but I, I guess it just brings more. When you bring more money, there's more shady business behind it, and then people are gonna start trying to find ways to exploit that uh, the system and take advantage of it. So we'll start seeing more people trying to cheat the charts to get better recognition. People trying to cheat the plays on their SoundCloud, on Facebooks, stuff like that. And it just makes it look bad, you know, but. Other than that, I just don't see many things that that are wrong with these partnerships. Indeed, and I agree. On the subject of streaming, some people have wondered why we don't band together and negotiate higher fees for streaming. I think it's because of the way the, the, the business models are for these companies. You know, you have to think about that Spotify does not uh, actually um, make money, to say the least. They're still on the red. It's still very new technology. So... They, if they pay more, you know, I don't think it will be uh, a sustainable business long term, at least not for now. I think they, the way they want to do it is they want to build, uh, I guess, a, a system where they bring more people every day and more people are interested in it. And then especially they invest a lot of money in trying to get those customers to actually start paying for, for the monthly fees and get the premium service. But then the other thing is, the only way that companies like Spotify can compete with like, companies like iTunes, Beep, or stuff like that is you have to bring in the majors. It's not just the indies that matter, the majors. But the majors control such a big part of the market that they have to overpay in order to get those rights. So I think that's where they're going to start trying to balance it out uh, long term. It's try to raise more, pay more. But then those deals with the majors will start getting lower and lower, less advances, less stuff like that. Uh, and I think at some point it will balance out uh, once people start going premium because everybody's going to go streaming. Um, iTunes, you know, bought Beats Music. Uh, Beatport recently launched uh, their streaming service. Uh, pretty much anybody that is not dying or closing down their doors are moving to the streaming service. So 
eventually that's just going to be how it will work. What about YouTube? I recall performer Amanda Palmer speaking at a conference saying that the major labels pumped a lot of revenue into creation. But services like YouTube, they're getting the lion's share of the revenue but not reinvesting it into content creation. I have somewhat of a love-hate relationship with YouTube. I think YouTube is a great uh, venue to generate income, um, mostly from their uh, advertisement, you know. Uh, I don't think YouTube Music Key is going to become a thing, at least not for the, the, the time being. I think it will take a lot of efforts and a lot of money for them to make an impact, especially how uh, far ahead uh, Spotify is or Deezer or RDO are, or even Pandora, you know. So YouTube Music t uh, Key is going to take a while. But here's the thing that uh, bothers me a little bit about YouTube is the way they handle it, they're more pro people that upload content than they are pro people that actually manage that content. So for example, uh, they're more willing to work with people that upload. And let's say you have 500,000 subscribers on your channel. They will be more willing to work with them uh, for their uploads and pay more premium uh, ads on it than they will with content managers like whoever actually produced the track, for example. So I think that's the key, that, that's the point there that uh, bothers me. There is money coming into the artist, but I don't think they are getting as much as somebody, uh, one of one of those content creators, quote unquote, will make with an upload. Um, but that's what we're doing here. I mean, uh, majors put pressure on YouTube, indies put pressure on uh, on YouTube. You know, people like Merlin. I did a great job on negotiating those deals on behalf of a lot of indies, including ourselves. And I think we're going on the right track. Uh, every year, the, the deals get better and better. And I think eventually, they will have no choice. They know that the music uh, moves YouTube, you know? Uh, it's YouTube is the biggest uh, music discovery platform in the world. And they know that if they don't do something right about it, they can lose that they can lose that position as the the biggest one in the world so it will get better i just i, I just don't think that right now is the is the most fair deal you know just to be completely fair and honest about it you're right it isn't but there doesn't seem to be much we can do about it at the moment now you've heard the complaints that the market is oversaturated with new artists do you think that's true it's like anything you know it's become easy to produce music, you know, it's become affordable to produce music. And just like we are able to discover new artists where we, we wouldn't have a chance to otherwise, we will always get people that have those dreams of becoming a music producer, but don't necessarily have the skill. So we cannot fault them, you know, I, I don't think we should be too hard on them because they just could be just some kids with a dream and they want to make some music and they just don't have the skills right now and they don't know any better. So, I mean, good and bad um, on both sides, I think it's more good. I think we want those young people to start producing music, they're the future of this, uh, this industry. We absolutely want to encourage young people to pursue their dreams. Of course, a lot of people wonder if we even need record labels anymore. Do we have a role? I think Will I Am said his own record label is doomed as other labels vanish. Um... I think I think he might have a point. I think it's very easy to sell your own music uh, with social media. Like you know, if you go on Twitter and you go on Facebook, SoundCloud, and you build a decent enough following, you can do things on your own, and you will make probably more money. Uh, you know, basically cutting the middleman 
which will be the record labels. But there is there is value to record labels depending on who they are. I think there's just so uh, there's just not very not many record labels that can provide that value at this point, at least on the independent level. You know, you think of somebody like uh, Never Say Die or Spinning. Uh, those record labels bring value to what they do because of their reach, their potential, and and not only that, the the, the budget that they that they work with. But um, other than that, I just don't see many record labels just being that. I think it's shift the the meaning of what a record label is. I think a record label these days is more of a collection of friends, uh, collaborators that just enjoy working together, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know? So I think that's basically what it comes down to. Uh, it's just... Let's just call record labels crews. That's just basically what they are. That's a good name for us. But, you know, a lot of people say that if labels don't become content services, there won't be much for us to do. Well, I think that the, their biggest impact could be is just the A&R process. I think record labels do a really good job on just basically checking you know, online, who's the next big thing. And I think that's where the value comes from. You know, if there's no people like us just going out there and scouting on SoundCloud, scouting on Facebook or Twitter, or just trying to develop this talent, then yeah, I don't think anybody else would do it. It would be very difficult for somebody else to just do it independently. If a record label picks you up and then worst case scenario, you pick up a hundred new uh, fans, I think that's a big win, you know what I mean? For one, two tracks, I think that's a big thing. So I think on the A&R side, until somebody comes along and can provide something better than a record label can on that level, I think record labels will have a participation for, you know, the foreseen future. Right. And record labels really are gatekeepers and trendsetters for their genre. And what you say is true. Who else is going to spend that kind of time scouting for new music? I think that, I think that's that's a key to it. Uh, for example, my own personal uh, experience, uh, I we have a good team. So we have people that that focus on certain genres within the record label, and we manage multiple uh, record labels within our camp. And then for example, I go look right now, and I have over 482 pending demos just to be listened to. And I just look at it, and I'm like, who will do this type of job? You know what I mean? You have to spend a lot of time and let's say you're a new up and coming record label. That's your investment in your company. It might not always be money. And then a lot of people just kind of like don't give uh, label owners the credit that they deserve because, well, maybe they're not making a ton of money on sales or maybe they're just not putting a lot of budget into their releases for marketing or PR. But the time is valuable and they spend a lot of it in it. You know, you listen to demos, you had to figure out a way to get a cover I worked on, make sure that it's mastered, make sure it's uploaded, make sure it's promoted, you send promos, you share on SoundCloud. That all takes time. I do this full time. And if I wasn't able to live off a rec label or label engine company, I would not be able to do this job, period. I wouldn't have the time to do so. So I empower people that still do this job and take it very seriously because most of the people that start do it with a, already a nine to five job or they're in school, college, whatever it is, and they actually find time to do all this work. It's amazing to help others, you know? I love that open approach. It's true. There is so much going on for anyone running a record label. When Lazy Rich founded Label Engine, he really did so to help us do our jobs. Uh, the story is quite interesting because we all know Rich, aka 
Lazy Rich as a music producer and DJ for a long time. But nobody knows that he's actually, uh, he graduated from programming at the university in the UK. And a lot of people don't know that he has uh, a business on the background. And a lot of people ask, you know, why he started. And it's a very simple situation. It's he run, he runs uh, Big Fish Recordings, and he's done so since 2008. And one of the things that he found out that it was very difficult to do was pay his artists for royalties. Because, you know, back in the day, if you don't have the money for an accounting, you have to do it on an Excel file or, worst case scenario, you have to do it manually on a paper. And then it's very difficult. So he created Label Engine initially as an accounting system to basically do that uh, easier. And um, from there, just work. You know, it, we, it made sense to add a promotion side to it so people who can send promo. And eventually, the goal became just to have a system where record labels, artists, whoever you are, you can do everything from one place. You don't have to go and upload the same release to your promo campaigns in another place and then do your accounting in another place. Next thing you know, you have four or five places where you have to have all this data repeated instead of just having it in one place. So we wanted to make sure that we had something affordable. So that's why our prices are very low compared to like the big systems and something that is easy to use and and, and just about anybody can, can use it with just, you know, just a few minutes of just trying it out. Um, and we wanted to focus on that, you know, uh, on the distribution side, we were just a little bit tired of dealing with shady distributors that want to pay us or will pay very late. I want to do a very good job of trying to put our music up there. You know, I remember the first time I used a distributor for my record label before Label Engine, uh, our first two releases were messed up. Uh, we sent it to them and it had to be done manually. So you send it to them a certain way and you just hope that they did a good job and if they didn't well you just basically screwed because fixing it was very difficult so we wanted to streamline that make it more easier for people to take care of their business and and just do it uh in just one place that's pretty much what it comes down to as a label owner i can tell you label engine has been invaluable to me you guys are always working on something new alex what are some of the innovations you're working on now we're always working on new stuff uh we recently added the free uh, you know, kind of follow to download system that is becoming very popular. Basically, people were using it on Facebook to get new likes in exchange for free music. So everybody knows how that one works, but then Facebook kind of cracked down on it and people started wondering how they can do it with Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube, or even Instagram. So we added that recently where if you want to build your social media through your own music, uh, then you can kind of give it out in exchange for a follow either on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or SoundCloud. That's very cool. Uh, another thing that we we're very proud of that we introduced recently was label engine connect basically we want to we want to build a system where youtube promoters can get together with record labels and create a partnership where music is promoted and it's uploaded and everybody wins and they get to basically negotiate how much revenue is split between them and then do everything on a more legal way uh, right now the way youtube is has done is you basically can upload anything you want and you hope that you don't get caught and then you try to monetize it and YouTube allows you to monetize this content even if it's not yours. So we want to make it so there is some legality on it and that everything's done. 
properly. Now for the future, um, we're working on a lot of things uh, right now. There's not much I can say, you know, I, I can't get into much, many details, but uh, we want to we wanna make sure that we we stay true to, to that goal of just making sure we add everything. So who knows, maybe in the future we'll start adding some more ways for people to sign contracts through label agent instead. You know, I think that's something that a lot of people have been asking for. And a lot of thing, another thing that people have been asking for a lot is newsletters, you know, a, a way to integrate newsletters. And I think that's something that we can, we can tackle in the future. And, um, an option to sell your music. I think that's something that we want to approach in a in a new way, not in the old school kind of like pay for my track download away, but in a more innovative way. So I think those are three things that we're definitely looking into and hope hope to have uh, ready soon. Very cool stuff. I know you and I listen to a lot of music every day, Alex. What do you listen to when you go home? Uh, I listen to everything. I know a lot of people will, will say the same, but I, I really do. Like one day I'll be big into heavy metal and then I will want to listen to heavy metal all day. Some days I'll be all about rap music. Uh, Sometimes I'll be all about oldies and I'll start listening to Metallica or, you know, stuff like that. So it depends. I think from day to day, I try not to listen to a lot of dance music because that's what I listen to all the time. So when I'm out of the office or I'm not working, I try to listen to other genres. Uh, I think the only one I, I don't really listen to a lot is country music, but other than that, pretty much all goes. One thing I wanted to point out is that Label Engine doesn't work exclusively with electronic dance music. You guys work with all genres. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people uh, put us in the dance category because that's how we start and that's what our record labels do. And initially, that's what we focus on. Like a lot of people don't know the process behind it. So, for example, uh, we get a lot of applications daily for people that want to be distributed, but we wanted to build something better and something different. So we handpick every record label we work with. Uh, we have to find something we believe in, whether it's the music, whether it's the marketing plan, whether it's the artists that are included in the label. So at, at the beginning, yeah, uh, we build the platform with our own friends and most of our friends are in the dance music industry, you know, DJs and all the stuff. But we work with a lot of other genres, you know, from rock to pop and rap music, you know, so it's just about good music, period. Absolutely. So Alex, what are you most looking forward to at the Winter Music Conference? Um, we go there every year. We'll be there from the 24 to the 29. Um, I personally will be looking forward to Wednesday, Wednesday the 25th, I'll actually be participating in two of the Winter Music Conference panels. I'll be uh, in the Get the Inside Track on Digital Distribution on Wednesday the 25th at 1230. And then I'll be on the panel for Independent Labels 101 from the ground up on 430. So I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, like you said, I for the most part, I've become the guy in the behind the scenes, kind of in the background. And, but I, I'm starting to, you know, participate more, do more public speaking. Uh, a lot of people have been requesting it. So there you go. I'm, I'm trying to do it more. And we really appreciate you coming on and talking with us here. No, thanks for having me. You know, I'm a very big fan of what you guys do. And I'm very pleased that you guys thought of me uh, for this interview. Thank you, Alex. Of course, we'll continue talking about these issues on future episodes. We have events news coming right up, but let's hear some great new music. 
In an exclusive to the Puget Sound Listening Hour, this is a new track from our friends Vegamore. It's yet to be released, and it's called Monsta.
that's what I'm talking about. Thanks, Vincent Vega and Thomas Moore of Vegamore for sharing that track with us. We have more new music coming up. Right now, time to look at the events happening around the Winter Music Conference and Miami Music Week. Thursday is a big day for the conference. Martin Garrix is the featured Q&A at 3.30, and winners of the 30th Annual International Dance Music Awards will be honored at 8 p.m. Of course, you can see tonight's guest Alex Munoz at two conference panels on Wednesday the 25th, one on digital distribution at 12.30 and the other on independent labels at 4.30. You can get the complete schedule at wintermusicconference.com. Miami Music Week starts Tuesday the 24th, and as of now, there are a few general admission tickets left for Ultra Music Festival. You'll want to get them fast at ultramusicfestival.com. For a complete listing of all the events of Miami Music Week, you'll want to check out miamimusicweek.com. If you're here in Seattle, we've always got a lot of great shows coming up. Passion Pit and Holy Child are playing May 19th and 20th, and Best Coast arrives June 4th at the Showbox. You can go to showboxpresents.com for more information or get tickets at axs.com. All of you Kimbra fans can catch her live at the Neptune here in Seattle on April 13th. Go to stgpresents.org for tickets and info. Now, if you're an electronic or alternative artist and want to submit a track for the show, visit our website at pugetsoundlisteninghour.com. And remember, you can follow me on Twitter at ThatMichaelJ and the show at Puget Sound Hour. Before we close this special edition of the Puget Sound Listening Hour, I'm excited to present a new music project called Pools. You can find a free download from them on our SoundCloud page or website. Be sure to join us next week for another edition of the Puget Sound Listening Hour. Until then, I'm Michael Jones saying good night from Seattle and peace.
Thank you.